You're listening to the City Hope Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Good to see you. Good to see you. We are, um, as you saw on the roll-in, we are in this series, You Asked For It. And we are in the final part of this series, everybody, and I am excited to get to preach to you today. I do have to say, uh, my style of preaching today is a bit different than it normally is, and I'm doing something that's just a little outside of my comfort zone today. So I need you to talk back and let me know that I'm doing all right, everybody. And so, you know, just say, everybody on the count of three, just say amen. Say, that was not on the count of three, but... I, I, I think I, one, two, three. There you go. All right. Use your voices today. And uh, we have a very fun topic to end this You Asked For It series. If you don't know about this series, the last couple of weeks we've been taking topics that you have sent in. And I've been answering those questions. And today I'm going to take a crack at, uh, at quite a bit of questions, a whole lump of questions that many of you have sent in over the last couple of weeks. And that is, you've asked the very good question, uh, is it a sin to take a hit, take a drink, or take a smoke? Is it a sin? You have, you have asked these questions in all sorts of different ways. I'm going to summarize a lot of it into this. Is it a sin to, to take a hit, a drink, or a smoke? And can I tell you, this is a very, very good question. You've asked uh, some very good questions. And can I also tell you this? The Bible does not leave us without answers. So it's a good question, and the Bible always has an answer. Amen? All right. There, you're, you're getting it. The Bible always has an answer. And so no matter how difficult the question may be, I just got to tell you, God has an answer. He has an answer, and he has a plan And it doesn't matter what kind of fear we have along with that topic. It doesn't matter how much doubt we may have. It doesn't matter what obstacles we may face. It doesn't matter the problems we may face. God has an answer, everybody. He has an answer. And we're going to look at that answer. I've brought uh, a lot of props and different things with me this morning. We're going to get to that. But before we do, uh, what I've done uh, typically in, in my messages, I weave in a bunch of scripture under every point. This morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with a very large chunk of Scripture. We're going to read that. We're going to digest that. And then um, then we're going to to dive into kind of the topic and illustration here. And so let's look. uh, If you've got your Bibles, really the main text for today comes from uh, the book of Ephesians where uh, Paul writes the book of Ephesians and Paul is talking to the church. And so he's essentially addressing it. To us, everybody, he's addressing it to a church, and so he's writing to people like us, and what Paul says, before we pick up, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, but before we pick up in verse 8, Paul talks about the importance of the gospel, he talks about the importance of Jesus and what Jesus did for you and I, and you need to first understand that, listen, Jesus did some amazing things for us, he died on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay for our past mistakes. And because he did that, Paul says, because Jesus died and rose again for us, therefore, in fact, the whole theme of really Ephesians is the word therefore. You'll see therefore for all over the book of Ephesians. So Paul says, therefore, if Jesus has done this for us, therefore, we should begin to live like this. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, Uh, through 21 is what we're going to read today, and they're going to have it on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it from my iPad. It says this. It says, For you were once 
in darkness, but now you have light in the Lord. So you were once dead because of your sins is what Paul was saying, but now you have this eternal light from the Lord. And so we're to live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we're to find out what pleases the Lord. Look at what he says here. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. You know, I'm convinced that not a lot of us live like that. I think a lot of us kind of dabble in the fruitless deeds of darkness. But he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, we're supposed to expose them. He says, it is shameful to even mention them, uh, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And then he says this, be very careful then how you live. And isn't that the opposite of how most of us live today? We're not careful. We just, we, we do what we want. We do what our heart tells us to do. If that's what it feels right, that's what we do. But Paul says to be very careful to not act as unwise but as wise and make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, Paul says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit and one to one another out of reverence for Christ. I know that's a lot of scripture right there all to unpack, but what, what is Paul saying? Well, Paul is saying that now, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to leave that darkness and head into the light. We have a responsibility that if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to be Christ followers, we are to lay aside some certain things so that God's spirit can begin to fill us up. And so right in the middle of this dialogue that Paul was talking about in our world, I think it's kind of funny that, isn't it funny that Paul drops one very specific instruction right in the middle of this, right in the middle of this whole paragraph. He says this, he says, do not be drunk with wine. Any, anybody ever read this before and you're like, why is he that specific? Like, why did, why did Paul go there? Because there's so much out there, but why did God, Paul go, why, do not be drunk with wine? Why does he drop that one thing? And I was thinking about that this week, and I was like, man, did Paul just have like a really bad experience with one glass of wine? Like, has something happened to Paul where he was like, okay, I can't do that anymore. No, I don't know, I don't know what it was. Uh, why, why, did he, why does he use that? Why is it that specific? Well, here's the deal. Paul is using that as a placeholder because, listen, this is not the only time throughout the Bible that this idea is discussed. What Paul is saying here, what he's saying is that these things that you take into your life, there are things that you take in your life that will affect you in ways that you see, in the ways that you see the world around you, in the ways that you feel. And he said, whatever you take in that affects the ways that you feel, the way that you see other things, those things have the potential to prop up your heart, 
Those things have the potential to medicate you, and they have the potential of giving you a false sense of hope in this world. And Paul says that if we're to live as Christians and we're to live in the light, we're called to draw the line somewhere. We're called not to do those things that medicate us, that, that prop ourselves and prop our hearts up. Not only does Paul teach on this, but Peter touches on this as well. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And so now Peter, what I like about Peter is he doesn't just call out wine. He's not just saying don't be drunk with wine. He's saying he's talking about a lifestyle, that we're to live a lifestyle that is alert, that is of sober mind, so that our relationship with God, so that you may pray is what he says, but so that our relationship with God may be fluent, so that our relationship with God may be strong. And so as we look at this today, as we look at this topic of is it a sin to take a hit, take a drink, or take a smoke, I want us to apply these verses from what Paul has to say, from what Peter has to say, and I want us to look through that lens as we look at uh, several different issues in our society today. Because listen, you've asked a wonderful question. I mean, this is a wonderful question, and it needs answers. However, here's what I'll say. I don't think this is the only question that followers of Jesus should be asking. I'm going to show you that today. I think we have to begin to watch what we take into our lives, everything that we take into our lives. I think we have to watch how those things affect us, and we also have to understand how God views these things. And so I'm going to use this as an illustration. I've got a bunch of things to give you today. But I want to start, about, I want to start by talking about that specific topic, and I think the one thing that is in our face the most, and you know what's in our face the most, it's the issue of marijuana. So because of that, I brought this little friend with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those naive and you're like, what in the world? Is this like a part of a chemistry set or something? Like what's happening here? Uh, <laughs> no, that's a marijuana bong. And this is what marijuana users use to smoke weed. And, uh, and hopefully, just by bringing this here with me today, I hope two things happen in this room. And I think two things are probably happening right now. One is there's probably a, real, a big group of us who are like, oh, man, Noah, that's so off limits. Like, that's very taboo. That's very wrong. Like, Noah, it's sacrilegious even to have that thing in church right now. You know, like, I can't believe. Like, maybe, maybe you grew up in a family where you couldn't even wear a hat to church. You know, like, that, that, all the Baptists in the room said amen. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's you. You're like, you're freaking out. Like, I can't believe. Did you even touch that? I, you know, I, I know. There's probably a group of you who are freaking out like that. Now, there's probably also another group of the room where you're totally having like a boomer moment right now, and you're like, Noah, oh my gosh, like that's not even a marijuana thing. Like, uh, sure, some people use it like that, but really, it's, that's not really even the thing. Like, it's edibles, like it's oils, you know, like it's all these different things. And, and there's probably multiple of us who, who we, we, we fall on one side, one group, or the other when it talks, to, uh, talks about this. But can I tell you, I'm using this today 
just as a placeholder of the, and, oh yeah, I'm using this today. Oh no, I'm not using, yeah, that's my kind of church. And uh, <laughs> that's funny. I said that in the first service too. They, nobody caught that. That's pretty funny. Oh man, I'm not using this today, but look, I, I'm using it as a placeholder. One sentence, I'm using it as a placeholder uh, for the entire issue, uh, as we talk about the entire issue of marijuana. And uh, the reason it's here is, you know this, it's kind of our new reality. This is in our face everywhere we go, whether we like it or not. There's this promise that we can live a, a happier, cooler life if we just, uh, if, if, that's, if that's what we do. And so uh, what, what I want to do today is I'm using this as a placeholder, but then I've got this uh, this red red stick, this red line with me today, and I'm going to use this as a visual representation of our line. So where should we draw the line as Christians? Where should we draw the line as followers of Jesus? This is this line is going to represent how we distinguish between what's good and what's bad. Uh, where this line is going to represent what we allow in our life. And what we don't allow in our life. We're, this line is going to represent what we care about and what we should be careless about. I mean, this is, this is the line. This is the line. And here's what I know, and you can write this point down, is that we all draw a line somewhere. We all draw a line somewhere. We have a line somewhere. And maybe you don't draw the line here. Maybe you don't draw the line here. If I could extend this table, I guarantee I could find somewhere where all of us eventually would draw the line. Whether that's prescription medication, whether that's meth, whether that's opioids, whether it's cocaine or heroin. There's somewhere where we draw the line and we say, at one point you would say, well, Pastor Noah, of course. You would roll your eyes and be like, of course I don't do that. Of course I draw the line there. Of course I know I have to be very thoughtful and careful about that thing. Yet, can I tell you the reason that this very thing is in our face today is because someone moved the line. Someone moved the line. At one point in our culture, the line was here. And marijuana was off limits. But somebody moved the line. Somebody moved it from here to here and put it in our grasp. What is the line that got moved? What is the line? Well, for us in America, it's the line of legality, is it not? The, it, it became legal, especially here in our state. It became, it, it became legal for us to have here in Illinois. So, so why, the question becomes, why wouldn't, we, why wouldn't we do something? Why wouldn't we do that? Where do we, why do we draw the line where we draw the line? And that's an important question for you to ask today. In fact, I've left that blank in your fill-in-the-blanks. Why wouldn't you do something? I just put it like this. I won't do that because blank. And all of us fill in that blank with something. What would you put in that blank this morning? What would cause you not to do something? I won't do that because. Now, the most popular thing to put in this blank this morning is, is I won't do that because it's illegal. That's where I draw the line. It's illegal. But what happens? What happens when the line of legality gets moved from here to here? 
What do we do? Because that's exactly what happened with marijuana, is it not? That's exactly what happened. The line was here where it was off limits, but now it's on the other side. So why? Where's the line for us? Well, I think, and I want to propose to you today, that as followers of Jesus, we've always been called to draw the line at something deeper than what is just legal. That we've been called to draw not just a line of legality, but we're, we're called to draw a line at what Jesus calls us to do. And can I tell you, there's many other issues that I could pick on in our society. This is, I'm not picking on this one today. But there's many other issues that are, are, are things in our country that are currently legal in our country. Yet, as followers of Jesus, we're wrestling with them because we know that, man, this is not the best for us. It's not the best for people. And we wrestle with them and we wrestle with them because the government has drawn a line across something that we believe morally. And you can just even think about this, even, even not even just today, but think about the history of our country. There's been many times in our country where there's been something that's been legal, but Christians have stood up and said, hey, I don't think this is the best thing for us. I mean, think about this. It really wasn't long ago that slavery was the law of the land. And there were Christians, there were people who stood up and said, no, I, this is not right. Hang on a second. I know it's legal, but it's not best. Even more recent history, think about Nazi Germany. You had a dictator who wanted to wipe out an entire race of people. Genocide was legal. But thank God for the fantastic, brave men and women who stood up and said, hang on a second, I know it's legal, but it's not best. That's not what is best. Think about in Bible times, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're taken into captivity by this pharaoh, by the ruler of Babylon. And he says, he builds this idol, and he says, idol worship is not only legal, but it's what you're supposed to do. You have to do it. It's mandated for you to bow down. When you hear the music, you're called to bow down and worship the idol. And he didn't just say that, oh, I'll send you to prison or I'll do this with you. No, he said, I'm going to kill you, and we will put you in the fiery furnace and watch you die. And can I tell you, there's always a line. There's been a line throughout our culture between what's legal and what Christians should stand for. And if, and if our line is whether or not it's legal or not, at the sound of the music, we bow down. We bow down. And so we've got to find a deeper level than just what is legal and what's not. And I think that's the question that you're asking. I honestly think the reason why you've sent in all these different questions is, is because you're, you're asking me today, what does the Bible say about it? You're trying to find the moral line of where do I go, how far do I go, where do I stop? And the problem is, is that especially with, with this, this idea specifically, the Bible doesn't say much. In fact, the only verse that people really pull out of the Bible about marijuana is the verse out of Genesis that God said God gave every herb it for them and it was good, <laughs> you know. And that's, that's the only thing. That, and I'm like, well, listen, they didn't pull out a lighter and light it on fire and inhale it, everybody. <laughs> like that, that's not what they were doing with it. 
And so it's, if the Bible doesn't speak on it directly, then what do we do? What do we do? What, what, what can the Bible point us to? Well, that's why I read you the verses from Paul and from Peter up front. Because here's what they say. They say that if things in your life, there are things in your life that have the ability to affect your body, they have the ability to affect your life, they have the ability to affect your mind, they have the ability to affect your heart. He said these things, he says, Paul says the more potent they are in your life, the more powerful they can become. And can I tell you the more powerful they are? Paul tells us the more prudent we have to be with those things in our life. And so if something has the ability to make you drunk, to make you intoxicated, to alter your mind, to prop up your heart, you know, for a lot of us, it just medicates us. It just makes us feel better. If something has that ability, we must be very, very thoughtful. We must be very wise, and we must be very considerate about what we do with that thing. Specifically, with the issue of marijuana, I'll talk about that for just a moment. Most of us will never, ever need the use for it. Now, can I tell you, there are some uses for marijuana in our culture. There's medical marijuana. There's microdosing. There's, there's places where marijuana can actually help people with autism or some type of terminal illness, and that's what the doctor prescribes. I want you to take all of those things with me for just a moment, and I'm going to put those off to the side for just a minute. Because the majority of us, well, if we ever experience marijuana, it'll be with our family, it'll be with our friends, it'll be because our friends, colleagues, whoever, use it in a recreational way. And can I tell you, when marijuana is used in a recreational way, whether it's smoked, whether it's eaten, whether it's in oil, whatever it is, the goal of using this, can you agree with me, is for the feeling. We use it for the feeling. Nobody puts weed in the brownies because it tastes good, right? I mean, as, all right, just be real with me. Like, we're doing it because of the effect that it has on our body. And now there's, there's uh, when I was thinking about this, of course, when you get in this idea of marijuana, there is a lot of really funny stuff out there with it. And so I knew I needed to lighten the moment about right here in the message. And so I'm gonna, I brought you a couple memes about, uh, about marijuana. And so anyway, uh, throw, a, <laughs> throw up the first one here. It's a famous picture of Johnny Cash uh, in, in a bush eating a cake. And it says, you may be high, but you'll never be Johnny Cash eating cake in a bush kind of high. And so... Uh, <laughs> here's, the, here's the next one. Uh, who has my lighter? Uh, never mind, it was in my hand. <laughs> and uh, I, this, is my, this is my favorite one. Um, I was pretty stoned last night. No wonder my alarm didn't go off this morning. And some of y'all had taken a little bit to get it. But if you don't know, that's the calculator app. It's not the alarm. <laughs> and the last one uh, just says this, I don't smoke weed to be cute. I smoke weed to get high. And, uh, and I brought this one last because, honestly, that is the vast majority of how this is experienced, is it not? Whether it's legal or not, this is, this is how people want to experience it. And so we have to draw the line, okay? Whether it's legal or not, whether the Bible says it specifically or not, based on the teachings of Scripture and how we are to be careful with those things in our life, as a follower of Jesus, 
even though the legal line is here, I must move the line to the other side of marijuana. It has to be something that I'm very careful with. It has to be something that I'm wise with, that I'm thoughtful with. Why? Because Paul says if it has power, you must be prudent. I'll give you a verse out of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but guess what? Not all things that are lawful are helpful. Not all things are helpful. All things may be lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. What is he saying here? He's saying that if I have the ability to be dominated by it, if I have the ability to get hooked on it, if I have the, the, the ability for that thing to own me and to control me, they are not helpful for me if it's that powerful in me. So I have to draw the line somewhere. But I wanted to go a step farther this morning. Because one of the things that's, mostly, that's most closely associated with the issue of marijuana would be the issue of alcohol, correct? That we, we, we these kind of go hand in hand. And um, I'm not sure what kind of bottle of sparkling or winking owl sangria this is. I can't really tell you uh, what year it is or if it's, if it's good or if it's not good. Uh, you'll have to decide. It probably goes really great with a steak, everybody. And so that's uh, as for you to decide. But but I do know this. Paul does directly talk about this issue. And we have to, here's the deal though. We have to be very careful as Christians not to put a prohibition where God does not put a prohibition. And so God does not, throughout the pages of Scripture, say, don't drink wine. That's not what he says. What does he say? Well, we read it earlier. He says you got to be careful with how it affects you. Do not get drunk with wine. And so depending on how you grew up and depending on your background of these things, this has a massive potential to affect you in a very dramatic way. Because I guarantee I could probably have several of you come up on stage this morning and many of you have probably experienced this personally. Maybe it wasn't personally, but maybe it was with a family member. You know a family member who had a massive addiction to alcohol. And you would come up on stage today, and you would plead with me this morning, and you would, you would tell all of us, you would say, please be very careful with the amount of this that you have in your life. Now, some of you on the opposite spectrum, you grew up with it off limits in your household, that you couldn't have it. And then all of a sudden, when you got out of your house, you're like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to do whatever it is. And now, it's excessive. It's addictive. And you would get up here today, and you would warn people, and you would say, please, 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 don't go too far when it comes to this. Don't abuse it. It's ruined my life. I actually heard a guy say to me uh, one time, he said, well, well, Pastor Noah, the, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. It doesn't say anything about tequila. And so <laughs> he just decided <laughs> that it's just the wine. And 
And can I tell you, listen, if the goal for you is to find a loophole in something, you will always find it. You will always find it. And the Bible addresses getting drunk with wine as a placeholder for things that are powerful. And so if alcohol has the ability to be powerful in our lives and we're looking at it through the lens of Scripture, guess what? If it has power, I must be prudent. I must watch how, how much power it has in my life. And so I must begin to move the line to now include alcohol. Because if I'm going to honor God, and if I'm going to have the best, most joy-filled, fewest regrets life possible, I have to be very wise when it comes to what I do with this. Agreed? We have to be wise. If it has power, we must be prudent. But that's not the only thing that we should be wise with. One of the things that I think is most associated with the issue of alcohol is the issue of caffeine. <laughs> Would you agree with me? People actually, somebody said, isn't caffeine just the Christian wine? <laughs> you know, because we've always got a cup of coffee. We've always got an energy drink. And I would say probably, uh, probably, absolutely. And I've learned in my life that caffeine can be very powerful. Caffeine has the ability to alter our mind, to prop up our heart, to give us this hit that we need. And many of us, we have an issue with this. And if you do have an issue with this, I, I, I talked to somebody even just this weekend who's like, I've got to have my cup of coffee. I am not me without my cup of coffee. I am borderline demon-possessed when I get up in the morning without my cup of coffee. You know, like, like I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And that's why once a year uh, we do this 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. And I encourage you to give up something. And, uh, and that's why once a year typically I will give up caffeine. Because I'm declaring to my body that I will not be dominated by anything. That this doesn't have a hold on my life. And every time I do, can I tell you, three, four, five days into the fast, I am like, this is the stupidest thing that I have ever done. What in the world was I thinking? Like, I just like, just give me a shot of it right now. You know, like I just, just, because I'm addicted to it. That's what it is. And can I tell you, it's because my mind, my body, I feel like my soul cries out for caffeine. And what is it? It's because I have the ability to get drunk with it. It's propped up my heart. I'm medicated by it. I'm stimulated by it. Is it a sin? <laughs> no, it's not a sin. Caffeine's not a sin. I had a great cup of coffee this morning. Some of y'all are holding your coffees right now. Like, oh, no. I guess I got to hide this under my seat. Like, no. No, but what place does it have in my life? And I talk to some people who, they're not addicted to any of this, but they're addicted to the energy drinks. And I, <laughs> you talk to somebody addicted to their Red Bull or Monster or whatever, it's like they talk just like an alcoholic, like they've, they've got to have one, they've got to have one. And, 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 and the way that this affects you is profound. Is it a sin? No. God's not angry with you having caffeine. However, it's powerful. And if it's powerful, I must be prudent. 
I must, as a follower of Jesus, include, move the line to include caffeine. I must say that if it has power, I have to be very, very careful with it. I have to be wise. I must be wise. But can I tell you, it's not just substances, it's not just what we drink that has an effect in our life, is it? Uh, what also has an effect in our life is food. <laughs> oh, man, I know. What, <laughs> this is, I was like, oh, dang it. Uh, can we leave that one out? You're like, Pastor, you putting your hands on my Big Mac because you better tread lightly, you know? Like, hey, you, better, you better be careful. And I know because this is, uh, I, this is where I struggle too. Because food, maybe of all the things on the table so far, food has the unique ability to affect us in a really deep and profound way. Both in our health, but can I also tell you, in our self-worth and in our identity. It has the ability to affect the way that we feel about ourselves. I mean, just think about it. When we talk about food, when you categorize food, we use terms like comfort food. You know what I'm talking Like, oh, man, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, like that's, that's, what we, that's how we talk about food. Why? Because it has an effect on your body. And some of us, we have to be very careful because our issue with food is, is very real. And I'm not just talking about people, you know, you're, trying to like, you're trying to lose 20 pounds and whatnot. I love, I love to use the joke. I use the joke every year about August where I say, you know, my goal was to lose 20 pounds in January and I only got 30 to go, you know. And, uh, and I just think that's so funny, but you don't laugh at it. And, and so it's so, I get so aggravated at you guys, but it's all right. Uh, <laughs> But it's, it's deeper. It's, I, I want to talk about a deeper level this, than just I'm trying to watch my weight type of thing. Um, for me, the biggest issue that I have with food is I try, to, <laughs> I'm trying to, I try to determine where the line is. And so, you know, is it a sin to eat all three rows of the Oreo, you know, of the Oreo package? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like when you finish one, you're like, where did that go? And then like the second, like row number three and... Listen, I can do it with a big glass of milk, with a hefty glass of milk. We can finish those Oreos. And I'm just saying, so like, where's the, where's the line? But others of us, it's a very real thing. Some of us, we go to food when life lets us down. We, 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 we go to it to prop ourselves up when we need that next hit. And more serious than that, there are some very serious heart and soul issues when it comes to food. There's things like anorexia. Bulimia. I, I, I'm telling you, there, you, you, there is this challenge. There's this seri there's these serious issues with food, and I just want to challenge you today to look through the eyes of Scripture at food and just ask the question: Is it powerful? Is it powerful? And if the answer is yes, then I must be prudent with it in my life. I must be wise in the way that I use it. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to move the line to also include food. But can I tell you, that's not just the only thing. Now, of course, we ingest, we inhale, we, uh, whatever, we drink, we, we ingest these things into our stomach, into our body. But that's not the only thing we ingest, is it? We also ingest things through our eyes. 
through our ears that go into our heart. And so I want to talk about the issue of technology with you this morning. We live in the first decade of really the iPhone revolution. If you don't have a phone in your pocket right now, in, out in front of you or in your purse, you are of the vast minority of people who are in here this morning. We all have it. And can I tell you, this is one of the most powerful things that has the ability to affect our hearts in an instant. I mean, it's you are one text message away from your day being ruined. Just like that. It can affect your mind, your heart, and it is at your fingertips all the time. All the time. And we are seeing, I mean, we see profound implications on the way that our mind is wired, on our, on our hormones, on our heart, the way, just the way that our mind is affected by technology. Research on our digital addiction is absolutely profound. I did some research on it uh, this week that talked, it, it talks about it changes the way that we feel. It changes the way, the, the hit that it is to have so many likes on our Facebook post, our Instagram post. The hit that it is to look at pornography. The hit it is for us, these things, to always be on call. To have, and most of us have zero accountability with it too. The only one that sees our phones, it's us. And it's always there. And things like social media. And, and you're saying, well, Pastor Noah, is it wrong for me to have a social media page? Absolutely not. But you have to watch the way that it affects you. Because many of us, we're constantly consumed with who likes what, who's doing what, how does my life measure up, and then we get on this side of Facebook or YouTube or whatever, TikTok, whatever it is, it's all conspiracies, and it's all, we, we, we literally, like, it ruins our day. And we follow, like, and subscribe to people that never have a single great thing to say. It's always doom and gloom. I think on my... On my TikTok, I have something like the, the <laughs> I've subscribed to like the five worst things that's happened in the world today. You know, like every day there's a new report, the five worst things. And it's just like, why? Why? Yeah, I think it's actually good morning, bad news is what it's called. And it's just like, why? Why do I even allow that in my life? And research shows us that when we're addicted to this technology, especially I was studying some things about our kids it talks about the technology has a dramatic effect on our kids, especially this, this study was uh, kids under eight years old. They said kids under eight years old, technology has, shows the effect on kids is very similar to a drug in the way that it literally rewires your kids' minds to need it, that they've got to have it, that they crave it, that they want it, they depend on it like a drug. And am I saying, well, you shouldn't have a phone? Heavens no. Like, no, no, you're going to have one. But what I am saying, that as a follower of Jesus, remember, if we're to look at this thing and if we're to draw a line, if it has power in my life, I have to move the line to include this, that I must be prudent with it. I must watch the use and the effect that it has in my life. If it's powerful, I must be prudent. 
I could tell you, give you a little litmus test here on how you know whether or not this is affecting your life. What would happen today if I took your phone and I locked it up for an hour? Be peaceful, yeah, <laughs> for some people. But I guarantee your mind would, would instantly start going, man, I wonder who tried to call me. I wonder who tried to text me. I wonder what emails I've got. I wonder what's going on. I got to check my app. I got to, I, 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 I got to do the things. I've, I've, I've got more dice on Monopoly Go. You know, like I, I've got all these things. Like, I, <laughs> what is that? It's power, and if it has power, we have to watch how it affects our hearts and our minds. So, as followers of Jesus, we have to draw the line to include it. This next one. Um, I want to be very careful here because I, 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 will, I, I will step on some toes. I told the first service, I said, I said, I told the first service, I said, put your steel-toed big boy boots on because I'm about to step on some toes for just a second. But we, we have to talk. If we're talking about the rest of this, I think we have to talk about our addiction to sports. And not just sports. I know, and I, I told you, I, it's fo- I know football, like some of y'all are already missing some football games right now. You know, like I know, like we, we have, it's, I'm not just talking about football. I'm not just, I'm not talking about a specific sport. I'm not talking, I'm talking more about the things in our life. By the way, it's more than sports that we use as recreation. And, and these things, probably the most, these are the most powerful things in our life. Probably the most powerful part to this idea is the extracurricular activities that our kids are in. They have the ability, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I know this. They have the ability to affect your identity, to affect your self-worth, and to affect your pride. Now, am I saying that it's wrong for your kids to play sports? Absolutely not. I think, actually, it's great for them to be on a team. I think you should challenge your kids, constantly challenge your kids to be better sport to be better sports. I mean to be to do something for the good of the team as a whole. I, it's a great thing. And Pastor Reeves was just here last week to talk about parenting and he shared many different things. His his kids are in football, all these different travel leagues, all this different stuff. And he talked about how life can be busy and all this different, all these different things. And he talked about the good part about how it's, it's great for your kids to be involved. But can I just tell you, there is a line just like with technology. Do not, under any circumstance, let your kids in, your, in those sports become your self-worth and your identity. And I'm just telling you, there's too many parents that are too wrapped up that their self-worth is in whether or not their kids get the right spot on the team or not. Or whether or not they get the scholarship. Or whether or not they're seen as the star. And I'll just, I'll just say this. I'll, you, you'll know that if, you're, if this is you, if, if you go to a game and the referee doesn't call the game your way, what's the conversation like in the car on the way home? What is it? Are you just mad? Are you frustrated? Are you are you like, well, do you just wait until I email them on Monday and I'm just gonna tell them I can't believe that kid played before my kid and I just said <laughs> like are you finding yourself that are you finding that this is propping this 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 area is propping your heart up? 
that you get a hit from it. I just, I, I'm just saying that as followers of Jesus, we have to be prudent. We have to watch the way that it affects our lives and our hearts. And if it has power, if it has power, we have to be prudent. We have to say, God, am I using these things to honor you? And so we have to include it. We have to watch. We have to check our heart on it. Is it drawing me closer to you? Or am I leaning on these things? And finally, the last one. And by the way, this is this one may may is probably going to hurt way more than than this one, um, because I think this one is the most powerful one. We have to watch our heart when it comes to people. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny because at the first service, <laughs> it's a picture. This is a picture of me and Emily. And, you know, you got to watch your heart when it comes to Pastor Noah. <laughs> like, you, you can't, don't trust him, you know. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, this, is, this, just represents, this just represents people. And you know this. You have some people in your life that the place that they have in your heart is overblown. They have way too much say-so. And maybe they're wonderful people, but the influence that they have on your life, it is very similar to a drug in our life. For many of us, there's a person that we are codependent on, that we lean on. We lean on them to prop up our hearts, to prop up our, our self-worth. And if they're happy with us, then we're like, we're, we're like, man, we're good. But if they criticize us, we just deflate and we're broken. And can I, I, it, it's, it's all around us. We have to watch what other people's opinions, what they say about us, what that, what that means to us. Some of us, we would be like, if, if, some of us, it would be like if that girl would just look at us, you know, like if they, if, like we, we live our life just for that one person, you know what I mean? Like it's just that one person and it becomes a drug to us. Now, am I saying that relationships are wrong? Absolutely not. In fact, I preach to you probably once a month about the power of important God-honoring relationships and about you being connected in good, great relationships with people that will prop you up and build you up. But can I tell you, you cannot rely too much on them. You cannot allow people to become your drug. You cannot constantly need them to rely on them. You can't constantly need them to prop up your heart because they will hear me. They will let you down. They will. And guess what? Pastor Noah and Emily will let you down. I will let you down. I, this message may have really let you down today. They will let you down. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to be prudent. And we have to move the line to include people. And we have to say, God, what place do people have in my life? What place do they have in my life? And here's the thing. I want to close with you with this today. Here's the idea. Here's what I want you to ask yourself as we leave this weekend. What is it? What do I have in my life that is powerful, that is filling me up, that I have not been thoughtful with it, that I have not submitted it to God, that it needs to change. And it doesn't have to be one of these things. You might have something that's not even on the table. 
But what is it? What is that thing that is powerful that's, that's filling you up? Think about it. Think about it like this. Before I do, I just go ahead. I don't know where Jonathan's at. Jonathan, come on up and uh, play the keys for me. Because I'm even more behind than the first service, dude. And so I got <laughs> to wrap it up. But unfortunately, here's the deal. We all have something in our life, whether, whether it's one of these things or not. There's one of these things, it's, it's propping us up. And we've gotten to a point in our life where we've messed it up. Like we've messed, when it's, come, when it's come to technology, technology maybe has totally messed up our lives. Maybe when it comes to alcohol, some of you, alcohol has totally messed it up. But here's what I know. Think, I thought about this this week. No one plans to mess up their life. You don't plan to mess up your life. But don't we do it all the time? <laughs> like we don't plan to mess it up, but we do it, we do it constantly. And unfortunately, when you do, we often summarize that that mess up with just one sentence. Like it took a whole process just to get there, but we we summarize it in one sentence. I'll give you an example. You're talking about somebody, say somebody, you, you can you can sum up somebody's life by this. Well, well, she started using again. She lost her job. She lost her marriage, lost her family. Or you could say it like this. Well, well, he always battled with his weight and he died with a heart attack at the age of 53. That's a one sentence like, oh, it just, but how many of you know it didn't happen like that? It was a process. Or his, his addiction was just out of control and so his wife left him and, that wasn't just one decision, was it? It was a series of choices. And people love to summarize other people's lives in one sentence. As if one day they just had a bad day. And that was it. But how many of you know you don't get addicted to any of these things just by having one bad day? And most people, you don't end up in a, you don't end up in a bad place all at once. And when we look at this table, we didn't end up here just all at once. No, we ended up there one bad decision one wrong step and one harmful habit at a time. One bad decision, one wrong step, and one harmful habit at a time. And I thought about someone in the Bible who's like so many of us, this guy with, with really amazing hair, with really great strength, and with a whole lot of potential. I know you're thinking it's Pastor Noah, but it's not Pastor Noah. It's <laughs> Samson. Samson was called by God. You know this story. He was called by God to free the Israelites from the Philistines. He was called to be a leader. He had an anointing of God on his life. He took this, he took this Nazarite vow and which just basically was him, him committing himself to God and there was things that he was supposed to honor, but he doesn't honor any of it. He even leaves his family and his territory and he ends up in enemy territory. He falls in love with this girl, Delilah. And Delilah literally gets the, he, she wants the secret to all of his strength and she finally gives it. She wants to know what the anointing is and finds out that it's in his hair. And one night while he's asleep, cuts his hair off and he's captured by the Philistines. And the unfortunate story about Samson is they gouge out his eyeballs 
and they hook him up to this thing that an oxen should be hooked up to, and he ends up spending the rest of his life going in circles as slave labor in a grain mill, grinding grain. Samson, how did someone with so much potential end up so broken and end up so dead? You know how? He didn't do it all at once. It was one bad decision, one wrong step, and one harmful habit at a time. And to be specific with you this morning, Samson took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. In his life, guess what? Just like so many of us, so many people that we know, the Bible actually summarizes his life basically in one sentence. In Judges chapter 16, verse 1, look at what it says. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. From there it was over. It's so one sentence. And when you, I did a little research from if he would, if he would leave his hometown Zora and go to this place, Gaza, that's about 25 miles away. And so it's like, well, how did Samson so far from home risk so much for so little? How did he do it? Well, he did it step by step. He walked 25 miles, equivalent to 56,250 steps. Can I tell you, not one of us We don't plan to ruin our life like this. No one plans to be addicted to alcohol. No one plans, no one dreams to be in a job that they hate. No one plans to, like you don't, you don't, you don't plan these things. But can I tell you, it doesn't have to be this way. In fact, how do you break it? Well, Proverbs chapter four, verse 14, I'll give this to you real quick. It says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. You know, if you want, if you want to stop what you're doing, <laughs> avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. What is he saying here? He's saying just re- remove that cue. Remove that trigger. And listen, when it comes to each and every one of these things, we all have different triggers in our life. There's, there's several different ones. I'm going to give them to you real quick. There's the trigger of our place. It's a place that you guys, I, I, wherever it's at, listen, you don't overeat in the gym. <laughs> like, you're not getting high at church. So, like, the place matters. The time matters. You know, when you're worn out, you're more vulnerable. At the end of the day, like, watch, watch where you're at. The time. Your mood Come on, how many of you know some moody people, everybody? Like, I know some moody people. In fact, uh, someone calls it halt. They say, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, <laughs> halt. Like, just stop what you're doing. When you're in a moment, for some of you, it's specific moments that happen. After that game, go to the bar and get drunk. Like, watch those moments. People, watch the people. Listen, you don't act that way around everybody. So watch the people that you're around. I'll end it like this. Just why why resist temptation in the future if you have the power to eliminate it today? And you have that power. And some of you, can I say, some of you need to take severe measures when it comes to this. Some of you, you have a very serious addiction to some of these things. And whether it's a, like a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or whatever it is, some of you need rehab. Like you need some serious therapy with it. And can I just free you from this real quick? 
asking for help is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. And so if you're, if you're on the edge, like you need some real help with this, please get some help. But can I tell you, some of you today, you can make a decision. And can I tell you, this matters more than you can ever imagine in your life because your life today is a reflection of these habits. It just is. And nobody plans to ruin, ruin their life. You, you don't do it all at once. How do you do it? You do it one bad decision, one bad step at a time. Samson didn't plan to ruin his life. He didn't want to give away his God, give him potential, let the Philistines humiliate him. But how did he get there? He got there. The bad news is he got there one step at a time, 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. But you know what the good news to that story is? Is Samson also had 56,250 chances to turn back to God. He had 56,250 opportunities to turn around. And can I tell you, you do too. You do too. And part of the story I haven't told you, and the part that a lot of people leave out, is the end of Samson's life. Because there's Samson, walking in that little mill in a circle like a donkey. He has no eyes. He's got no power of God on him. In Judges chapter 16, verse 28, it, look, look at what it says. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And can I tell you this morning, you serve a once more kind of a God. You serve the God that can do it just once more. You serve a God who you can mess, you can mess this whole thing up. And you can cry out to him today once more. And he's there and he'll be for be there for you. And can I tell you the story of Samson is that strength came back into him. And Samson grabbed the two big pillars of the temple that he was by, of the temple of the Philistines. And he pulled down. He got strength once more. And he pulled down that temple. And the Bible says that there were more enemies. He killed more enemies in that one act than all of his other life work combined. And can I tell you, if you've, if you've struggled with any of this this morning and you feel like you can't get out of it, you feel like you've, been, you've gone too far, you need to hear this this morning, that you serve the God of a second chance. You serve the God of the once more. That if you just cry out to him today, man, he, failure, I'll say it like this, failure is not final. Failure is only final when we refuse to get back up. And some of you, I'm just calling you to get back up. In fact, Proverbs 24, verse 16, it says the godly may trip seven times, but they get up again. And some of you, you just need that encouragement today. Get up again. It's time to get up again. That God's grace is good enough. His presence is powerful enough. Like you are not what you did. You are not. Your identity is not in any one of these things. You, you are not any of these things. But can I warn you that if you keep going that direction, if you don't draw the line in the sand, you will become it. But today could be the day where you draw the line in the sand and you say, today, I'm going to put it down. Today, with the power of Jesus behind me, I'm going to call out to him once more. And I'm going to say, God, I want it. I'm drawing the line today. And can I tell you, our God, it says in, the, it says in Scripture that when you're weak, his strength is made perfect. You may have gone 56,249 steps in the wrong direction, but you can draw a line in the sand and turn back now. There's no habit too bad that God's healing power 
can't help you break. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we love you. God, we're so thankful for, Lord, your word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. Lord, anything that has power in our life, Lord, we must be prudent with it. We must watch the power that it has in our life. And so, Lord, today, Lord, every one of us, we, we're in this room and we struggle with different things. We have a different area. Lord, I don't know what that area is for all of us. But, Lord, whatever that area is, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we submit it to you. And, Lord, some of us, we've, we've took 56,000 steps in the wrong direction. But today, we're turning back. Today, we're saying it's not too late. I'm coming home. I'm going to put it down. I'm drawing a line in the sand right here. This is it. And this thing is powerful in my life. I'm going to be prudent with it. I'm going to surrender it to you. I won't lean on it as a crutch, Lord. I'm, I'm going to lean on you. And so some of us right now, come on, you just need to cry out to God right now and just say, Lord, once more, I'm crying out to you. Ask him right there in your seat. Lord, strengthen me again. One more time, Lord, that's, that's all I need. Thank you, Lord, for being the God of second chances. Lord, thank you for giving us a second chance and loving us so much. But Lord, even when we mess it up 56,000 times, Lord, we, can, we still got the opportunity to turn back. I thank you, Lord, for the people who are turning back to you right now. In Jesus' name. Hey, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if this is you in this room, man, you say, Pastor Noah, I'm, I want to draw the line in the sand, but I can't do it by myself. You, you are so right. You can't do it by yourself. Some of you in this room, you, 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 desire, you desire to draw this line, but, but you don't have the power to do it. Can I tell you, the only, the only way that you'll ever have the power to defeat it is through the power that Jesus offers us. You need to understand that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for your sins, to pay for all of these things that you've, I'm sure you've, you've fallen short in. And not only did Jesus die on a cross to pay for those things, but he rose again from the dead. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can live inside of you. And you're never going to defeat any of these things without that power. And so if you want that power today, it's so simple. The Bible makes it so simple. All you have to do is just right there in your seat, would you just genuinely right there, just invite Jesus into your heart. Just invite him into your life. Say, God, I believe. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. In fact, if that's you in this room, would you pray this prayer with me? Repeat this after me. Mean this. And that same power that we're talking about is going to live inside of you. Say this. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this. Say, Jesus. I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, would you clap for the people who prayed that prayer today? That's a, that's a very special moment.